Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In today's episode, I speak with Laura about the birth of her baby boy, Isaac. Laura was induced and ended up needing an episiotomy and forceps, and she also had some post-birth complications, so I'll let her talk you through that. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, no worries. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and your family? Um, yep, so there's me and my husband Aaron, and we are dairy farmers in the Waikato. And we have a little eight-month-old boy called Isaac, who joined us in May. Awesome. And what was the journey to pregnancy like for you guys? Um, probably a bit of a different one to most people. We were um, in the midst of planning a wedding and actually lived in the South Island in Omro. Um, and then we got some pretty bad news about my mum that her health wasn't that great. So um, that sort of, I guess, brought up conversations that we probably would have left until after the wedding. Um, and then we sort of decided, well, let's try now. Why sort of why wait? And last autumn, we'd love to give her the gift of um, having grandkids. I'm the oldest, so um, I guess we sort of thought that it was time so I'd been um on the pill for years and years and years and I guess I'd sort of listened to the age old or you know you get off the pill and it would take you eight months to get pregnant so give yourself some time (laughs) um so we'd sort of thought well we won't get pregnant till after the wedding it's four months away so we'll just go off the pill and and go with it and um we are one of the lucky ones, and a month later, um, we were pregnant. So, yeah, I think probably an easier road than we thought it would be. Yeah, amazing. I, yeah, it's really common, actually, isn't it, hearing sort of stories of you come off the pill and then it takes ages and you don't have a regular cycle, so that's probably really lucky. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think that's something that we'd always sort of kept in um, the back of our minds is that it, it might not happen quickly and it might take months and months because that's what most people say, but I guess we sort of didn't think about the other side of it that um it actually could happen quickly and we're so lucky that it does and um yeah we're you know couldn't be happier but definitely I think like you've you've got to realize that you might be the two percent that it it happens for quickly when you (laughs) um, come off the pill yeah awesome and how did you find out that you were pregnant then did you miss a period or you had early symptoms um no I hadn't even really had a cycle yet so um I had sort of no clue that way but we were as I said dairy farmers and um I was riding through a paddock on the motorbike and like had really quite bad 
sort of pains and I was thinking to myself that's you know that's not usual and maybe it's something going off the pill and then um I won't go too much into it because for some people it's probably a bit gross but there's something that we do in dairy farming and it smells really bad and I'm usually fine with it like I doesn't bother me at all but I could not be within 50 meters of it like I was just as soon as I smelt it I wanted to vomit so that was my first um like, okay, something's different. So I didn't want to say anything to Aaron because I didn't want to get his hopes up. So I had a pregnancy test in the cupboard and I was like, I'm going to do it. And I had it underneath the bed so that he wouldn't see it. And so that I would actually <laughs> give myself like the allotted time to wait for it to um, stay positive or negative. Um, yeah. So I left it for like 10 minutes and then went back and I was like, oh my gosh, like it's positive and I took it out to Aaron in the kitchen and his face kind of dropped to start with and I was like oh I hope this is good news and he was like no it is good news but I just was like whoa I can't believe it's happened so quickly so yeah 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 amazing and you were still in Omaru at the time yes we were yep so we were um sort of in between Omaru and Timaru so we um didn't have our family around so we tried to keep it sort of quite quiet until we came up to the North Island obviously we were super excited to tell mum and that was probably like the one person that we were busting to tell so um Aaron didn't get to come up but we FaceTimed mum when I told her and her reaction was sort of everything it was like okay yeah we you know this is cool and we're so glad that it's happened like this and it definitely yeah. sort of did for us what we hoped it did, which was, yeah, it was just amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. And did you have a plan of where you thought you might like to deliver then? Did you want to do it closer to your mum or closer to home? Um, yeah, so we um, were lucky enough to get um, a midwife in Timaru that was really, really highly recommended. And um, I was pretty lucky that Erin was like to me, quick, get her, you know, contact her now so that we know we're with someone that's great and we'd always sort of uh, planned, I guess, to have mum down with us or anyone else. I'm, I've got, I'm very close to my sisters, so the initial plan was for them to come down and we definitely wanted to um, have him in Timaru because the hospital was um, a bit different to the Omru setup. So Omru is just like a, um, if anything goes wrong, you go to Dunedin. So we definitely were yeah. hoping for Timaru Hospital Um and Aaron's biggest worry about that was that we lived like 45 minutes away from the hospital. So he thought he was going to like deliver a baby in the car. <laughs> so <laughs> my entire yeah. pregnancy, that's what he was worried about was having to deliver the baby in the car. But yeah, definitely wanted to deliver yeah. a hospital, but sort of had no other um, predispositions, I guess, about what would happen or I was trying to be pretty relaxed about that situation. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And what was your pregnancy experience like then? Did you have many symptoms? Um, I was really lucky, actually. Like, I definitely had the, I don't want to call it morning sickness because it's not, it's all day sickness, but um, I had that from about seven weeks, I think. And that I just felt car sick the whole day. So it wasn't, um, I definitely, like, I've got a sister-in-law who's just, like, bedridden when she's pregnant and I was sort of waiting for that to happen but it didn't so I yeah I was really really lucky and most of my pregnancy went really smoothly and I sort of stopped feeling the car sickness at maybe 13 14 weeks so I think I was yeah very lucky yeah yeah awesome and did you go to any antenatal classes or birth classes before you went into labor um, yeah, so we actually, um, friends of ours down the road, we were pregnant within um, two weeks of each other, which was really, really cool. Um, and we decided 
just because of dairy farming and um, the boys sort of, you know, you don't really know what their schedule's like. So we got someone out to come into our house and do a weekend like block course type thing. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, so it definitely, like you did have to pay for it and it was a little bit expensive, but it definitely just worked for our lifestyle and we actually got another couple um, who were not as far along as we were. But, um, yeah, I think it was it was – it was good. It was a good environment. And, um, yeah, I don't know if, um, like I did, I did find it helpful, but I definitely think, um, she had some predispositions about what you should and shouldn't be doing. And I, I think she sort of pushed that on us. So it wasn't the, the best experience, but I'm definitely glad I went for the labor knowledge, I think was something I really got out of that. Yeah. And did you end up going into labor naturally or would you like to talk us through that experience? Um, yeah, so no, I did not go into labor naturally, unfortunately. Um, I mm-hmm. got to 10 days overdue and, um, went to my midwife and she tried two stretch and sweeps, which were pretty hideously painful, but, um, we were hoping that that was going to get things along. Um, and just nothing happened. I didn't feel any different. Um, my mum had come down thinking like, yep, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And we were both sort of sitting there twiddling our thumbs thinking, okay, mm-hmm. come on, baby. Like we're, everyone's ready and let's get this going. But, um, no, we ended up booking up, booking in for, um, me to be induced. And mm-hmm. we went into the hospital the Thursday morning at, I think like seven o'clock. Um, and they sort of talked us through the process, um, and they put the first lot of prostaglandin on that morning at half past nine, which was the Thursday morning. And that sort of got a few things going. I was having a few like short niggles, um, but could talk through them. And it, you know, wasn't anything really to, to talk about, to be honest. Um, and I was walking up and down stairs and around and round and sitting on a ball and doing every single thing that you can think of to um, get it going. But nothing pretty much happened that day and they came back in that night um, and examined me and said, no, nothing's nothing's changed. You've thinned out a little bit, but I think I was oh, one and a half centimetres. Like it was just nothing. Um, so they put yeah. more prostaglandin on that Thursday afternoon. Um and again that night, like I, I didn't sleep because you were sort of every couple of minutes, you just felt something that was uncomfortable enough to wake you. Um, but you know, I could tell nothing, nothing was happening. So, um, my poor husband Aaron and my mum had went and bought a blow up bed from the warehouse and they were asleep on the floor <laughs> of my hospital room, um, which was quite a hilarious sight. But anyway, um, that <laughs> yeah. night, nothing, nothing happened the Thursday night and Friday morning, the doctor came back in and he said, look, we can try another prostaglandin. And I was just like, yep, I'm here. Like, let's just, let's get this going. Um, so he put more on that Friday morning and again, during the day, nothing like a friend of mine had flown down from the North Island and she was taking me out for walks and trying to get me up and down the stairs and nothing happened, nothing happened. And he, the doctor came back in at maybe, um, I say the doctor, but I mean the obstetrician, um, came back in sort of Friday afternoon and said, look, we don't want to give you any more prostaglandin. Um, 
the, you know, we're monitoring your contractions and monitoring the baby's heart rate and that's all fine. But um, basically you can either have a rest or we can give you half a dose. And I was like, yeah, cool. I'll have a rest. I'll go home. And he was like, no, you're not going anywhere. Like you're this, like if you, once you've started, you're in hospital for the length of the process. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, right. Give me the half a dose. I <laughs> just want to get this. I was, I was exhausted waiting for the baby to come. So yeah. he put half the dose on and that Friday night was pretty horrendous. Um, I was, yeah, just, in agony all night, no sleep, couldn't really eat or drink anything, um, just felt horrendous. And I was in and out of the bath, in and out of the shower. Um, and yeah, just, I would say that night itself was worse than the day that I delivered. Um, that was, yeah, pretty horrendous. And, and in hindsight, I probably should have reached out to my midwife before I did because I should have said before, sorry, I had an independent midwife. Um, yeah. So when I was in hospital, I was under the care of the hospital midwives, not my own midwife. Um, and she was amazing and I definitely should have, um, reached out. And I guess that's something that I'd probably recommend to people is just your midwife's there for you and you've got every right to, um, contact them and, and be in contact with them. And that's definitely something that I wish that I had done. Um, yeah. so Saturday morning rolled round and everything just stopped. Like the night before I was like, we're going to have a baby. This is, I'm in agony. This is horrendous. I'm going to wake up in the morning and have a baby. But about half past six in the morning, everything stopped. Like I just had no pains, no contractions. I was sitting there like, oh my gosh, what's, what's this all about? Like what's happening to me? <laughs> um, and yeah. my mum walked in and I just burst into tears and I was like, I just hate this and I want to go home and I'm over it. Like, what am I doing to myself? Um, so the doctor came in and he said, look, you know, you've, you've been through enough. We're going to give you some oxytocin, which is the drug that they give you to basically properly induce labor. Um, and he said, we're going to get you sorted and we're going to get things rolling. I'm going to try and break your waters um, this morning. And let's get things started. So he broke my waters and that was nothing like what I thought it was going to be. Like I just had one tiny little dribble come out and that was it. Like it was no, yeah. no gush, no, didn't feel like I'd wet myself. Um, pretty much nothing came. So I was like, okay, well, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> um, and he pushed me through the room and he said, look, I am going to let you know that you can have an epidural to start with if you want to. Like you can do it before we do this process because um, being induced does make your contractions stronger than what they usually would be. Um, so the option's there when you want it. And um, I think that was a big battle with myself mentally, whether to have the epidural or not. Um, and I decided, no, I just wanted to um, see how I went without it. So they started the um, oxytocin, I call it oxytocin, but um, it might have a different name. Um, but they started that on the drip um, at about half past 11, 12 o'clock on the Saturday and um, pretty much instantly things ramped up and I was like, okay, cool, this is, you know, this is good. And um, we were probably about an hour in and I said I need some pain relief, like it's, um, the, I, I can't do this anymore, I'm tired and exhausted and the midwife that was there was had said to me, no, um, we can't give you anything until you're in active labour. Um, and so Aaron had to really sort of kick up a, 
a fuss and say you need to you need to check her like this is she's in some serious pain she might not show it on her face but she's not okay so she checked me and I was actually five centimeters um so she was like okay yep you can have some pain relief and I'm gonna call your midwife because things are happening um so she gave me some gas and that was just amazing um I was very happy when I was sucking on that (laughs) um and from there things went pretty quickly to be honest they um I had dilated to 10 centimetres and was pushing. Um, and that was at about 6 o'clock that night, so only six hours later since we'd started the um, drip. And then from yeah. there things um, yeah, didn't seem to be going very well. And, and as I said before, my midwife was just amazing. Like I couldn't have had anybody better. And I think because I felt 100% comfortable in her care, I just – let things happen um I wasn't scared or nervous or anything like that I just thought okay she's got it and I'm just going to listen to everything she says so I was pushing for about two hours and by the end of it I could tell that it wasn't going to happen like I think and yeah and in my head I was I don't think I don't think this is right and I don't think it's happening and I could sort of see on her face so the obstetrician came back in and um He'd actually scanned me earlier in the piece and said, I think, excuse me, I think he's posterior and let's try and turn him. So we'd been trying that the whole time. And so he came back in at at the end once I'd been pushing and he said, he's posterior. She's, she's not going to get him out. Like it's, it's not going to happen. We need to go to theater. So my midwife pushed and pushed for him to just give us a little, little bit longer and, and he did, but nothing changed so um in the end um Isaac's heart rate was going up and um they were trying to get me on some oxygen to help him and it all got pretty rushed and a little bit scary for Aaron mainly I think um and our yeah. biggest thing in all of this was oh my gosh mum's not going to be there to see the baby be delivered so Aaron was like in my ear do you want your mum to go with you should I go with you should your mum go with you <laughs> and I was like no it's your baby you you come with me so <laughs> Um, in my hazed gassed state, um, I signed away the, the form to say that I was going to get the epidural and, um, that there'd be a possibility of a C-section, but they were hoping to just do the episiotomy and forceps. So rushed out there and even on the way out there, my midwife was like, push, come on, like, let's try and get this baby out before <laughs> we get up to theatre. Um, but yeah, nothing happened and they gave me the epidural and it was the best time of my life and I wish I'd had it four hours earlier yeah. was this warm blanket coming over me and then everything was was great again so they whipped him out and um sort of showed him us I've showed us him sorry and whipped him away and Aaron and I were looking at each other like oh my gosh he's not crying like this on the movies you see the baby cry straight away mm-hmm. like what's what's happening um and he it turned out that he had had the meconium um in his placenta and he just had had some mucus and everything stuck in his mouth so they did a couple of breaths for him and he was totally fine Aaron cut the cord and um brought him back over and it was all great yeah amazing and did you know you were having a boy I forgot to ask Yes, we did. Yep. So we found out the yep. um, 20 week that we're having a boy, which was very exciting because I'm a family of girls. So my dad was <laughs> mainly over the moon to finally have a boy. 
Yeah. Amazing. And obviously you ended up with the episiotomy and the forceps. Yes, I did. Yeah. So, um, he, by the, what I can gather sort of had to push him and turn him and then, um, yeah, managed to pull him out. Yeah. Yeah. And how long did you spend in the hospital after that? Um, so I was obviously, cause I'd been there for quite a while already. I was just busting to get out. Um, so he was yeah. born at eight thirty that night. Um, and we stayed that night and one more. Um, and then we sort of pushed to go home. So he had, um, they discovered a little, um, what they described as a calcification in his liver way back, um, at the 20 week scan. So we'd had, um, and, and he was also on the small side. Um, so we'd had scan after scan after scan in those sort of last couple of months. Um, so they were a little bit hesitant to let him go home so early. Um, and so I think in the end, we just got someone to come and check him and the pediatrician was happy enough for us to go home as long as the midwife was, um, monitoring him. So, um, they were, yeah, happy enough, happy enough for us to go home and we were, yeah, just busting to get out of there really. Yeah, fair enough. And how did he go with latching on initially in the hospital? Um, he was a very, very sleepy baby. So, and I guess from the three days of, um, going on. Um, so he initially latched quite well. Um, I felt very awkward from the start and not awkward as in I've got my boob out awkward, but awkward as in I didn't know how to hold him or sort of where yeah. he should be lying. Um, and I think the, the midwives were awesome and they, you know, each one that comes in tries to help you and tell you their trick or whatever. But I think it just is down to what works for you. So he initially latched quite well that night, but we were having to wake him for feeds because he was obviously just exhausted. Um, and it wasn't until probably the next morning and my friend who'd come down from um, the North Island, she came in and she was like, you don't look like you're enjoying this situation. And I was like, no, I'm definitely not. It doesn't feel right. Um, and she just recently had a baby. So I think she, you know, she could notice it. And she said, why don't you try doing the rugby hold on that side and holding normally on the other side? And that was it. That was all I needed to um, sort of feel more more comfortable. And it was just that, I, you know, I'm left-handed and I wonder whether it had something to do with that, that one side was more comfortable one way and the other side was more comfortable the other way. So she just sat with me for, I'd say the poor girl sat there for two hours <laughs> trying to um, <laughs> trying to help me get it sorted and um, and feel more comfortable. But that, that was a lifesaver, like for someone to tell you that sort of just being through it all um, was definitely the, the trick that, um, that helped me. Yeah. Awesome. And how about your mom? How was she with the newborn? Was it, she's super excited, I imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was her life was made. Like she just had this yeah. massive smile on her face from the moment she saw him. Um, and they still now have such a cool bond. Like she's his favorite person by far. Um, unfortunately <laughs> <Yeah>. for me, <laughs> um, but yeah, she was just in her element. Like we had to fight her for cuddles. Um, <laughs> we still do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, that was very cool. And I think too, like those couple of days of, of hell, when you saw that and when you saw him, it was just like, that doesn't even matter. Like, yeah, you know, you, you forget about it completely and it's all worth it yeah 
Amazing. And how did you go once you got home? What was it like adjusting to life with a newborn and sort of sleep and breastfeeding? Um, so we were actually moving to the North Island um, 10 days after he was born. So that um, was interesting. And I guess we <laughs> um, were already stressed about that situation, but Lucky enough, he was a very good sleeper from the start. Um, like, as I said before, we would have to wake him to feed because he was um, a little bit on the small side. So we were waking him every four hours for um, something to eat. And um, we sort of adjusted quite well. But I think because we, we knew that um, we had the change coming up of of moving and we um, were really lucky that my husband Aaron, his mum came down as soon as my mum had to leave. So we constantly had support um and someone there to help us and help pack and um all of that sort of going on like she taught me how to bath him and all of those kinds of things that I think without um her there I would have just been lost um and yeah, yeah we, we had friends that came down and helped us pack and moved and all the rest of it and we um yeah 10 days later I flew with my mum up to the North Island and he was amazing on the flight. Um, and then we came back here and we're actually living with my in-laws because our house wasn't um, ready. And that was that was probably the toughest um, time for me, I think, not being in your own environment and as welcoming as they were. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it definitely is a time where I think you need time as just a family together just to sort of navigate yourselves and your new roles and um, – sort of to feel more at at home and at peace. And I think I was sort of anxious from the moment we got there um, because I didn't want him to wake anyone at night because, you know, they're dairy farming. So they were up at four in the morning and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, he's crying. Like, shush, shush, don't cry, don't cry. Um, And I think, yeah, anxious um, would probably be how I described it, of just feeling like he he had to be this perfect baby constantly. Um, Yeah. And... So we, yeah, we were there for about two weeks and then um, finally moved into our own home and, and that was a big relief. But um, when he was six weeks old, I was sort of woke up four in the morning and was in excruciating pain. And I said to Aaron, um, something's not right. Something's not, not okay. Like he was in his farm, get ready to go milking. And I was like, you can't, you cannot leave me here with Isaac on my own. I'm not okay. Um so he raced me in the car, got Isaac, and he was like, do you think we should feed him before we put him in the car? And I was like, yep, okay. So I was sort of on the ground on all fours trying to feed him and be in agony. So Aaron was <laughs> holding him up underneath me, trying to latch him to my boob, and it was, yeah, not a very glamorous um, <laughs> time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we raced to the hospital, and long story short, I ended up having a ruptured appendix. Um and oh my gosh. it must have, yeah, must have ruptured that morning at um at four o'clock in the morning, and they didn't operate till um about oh, half past nine, half past ten at night. So I was very, mm. yeah, very very sick that day, and um instantly lost my supply of milk. Um, I pretty much dried up straight away as soon as it happened. Just nothing was coming out. Um and to be honest, I was sort of so sick that I wasn't really thinking about Isaac anymore. And that's quite, I find it quite hard to admit, but it was definitely, um, what was yeah. happening. And 
they were sort of looking at me like, do we give him formula or do we try and put him on you? And I was just so sore I couldn't, there's no way I could have him even like sort of resting on my stomach. Um, yeah. So we were, you know, trying to sort of push my boob to the side and put him on it and everything. And in the end, the nurses there were like, look, we're going to go and get you some formula from the um, children's ward and we're going to bring it back. And just as an option, um, it'll it'll be there. So we were lucky enough that we had, um, I'd been pumping a little bit anyway, and he was sort of used to a bottle. So um, they fed him the formula straight away. And thank God they did, because I was in hospital for 10 days after that. And um, he wasn't wasn't with me, obviously, because I was in a, um, you know, a, a room with eight other people. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, that was, that was very tough. And I think that, um, being in hospital away from him was hard, but I was so sick that I didn't, um, I, not that I didn't miss him, but I, I didn't sort of realize he wasn't, wasn't with me because I trusted so yeah. much that, um, everyone that was looking after him was amazing. And, you know, Aaron's auntie came and looked after him and I had my sisters and my mom and, um, everyone was, was fantastic, but it was the getting home part that, um, really did, did affect me I sort of got home and I was feeling much better and then I realized that everyone had managed without me and Isaac was fine without me and I I got home and I was like okay so like what where's my place now you know I and not that anyone tried to make it that way but that's just sort of how I felt and um the night that I got home was this big fundraiser for my mum and her treatment and everyone was going and I was going to be at home by myself and mum really wanted Isaac there. So they were getting him ready and taking him and he was crying and crying and crying because he was so tired and I wanted to have him and help him. And Aaron was like, you need to sit down because you're going to hurt yourself. But in my mind, I instantly took that as like, we don't need you. You just sit down. We're fine. Um, yeah. which was not the right way to take it and was not how it was intended, but that's what my brain instantly yeah. um, made me do. And I think because I wasn't breastfeeding and he was only six weeks old and in my head I was like, you're just a horrible person for not breastfeeding anymore. This poor kid needs it. And I remember one of um, my friends saying to me like, oh, it's all good. Like you can just feed formula. Like you're fine. And then – I was sort of felt like I had to have that um, that thought as well, like just because someone else has told me, like, don't worry about it, that I had to feel like that. But, I, you know, I was allowed to feel upset about it. And, um, yeah, yeah I, I was allowed to sort of sit there and think this is a bit shit. Like, although yeah. I, I, it wasn't really my choice in the end, it, it was crap and, and you're allowed to feel um, upset about it and – you know, it's, it's okay to feel like that. So I think that was definitely sort of a, a rough couple of weeks of me trying to find my place again as a mum. And um, I was lucky enough to get a little bit of supply back um, and was able to sort of mix feed, but um, ended up a couple of weeks down the track and they thought I had a blood clot and they had to give me some um, stuff in my veins, which went to look for the clot and that had radiation in it. So again, I had to, I had to stop. So he was about eight weeks old and was not on any um, any breast milk, and he's a happy, healthy little eight-month-old who is totally fine. Um, 
but I, I definitely think that um yeah you're allowed you're allowed to feel like upset about it and you're allowed to think to yourself I wish that it, it had been different yeah absolutely agree with that for sure and how did you sort of recover I guess emotionally then from that experience do you think it was just getting back into a routine and sort of learning how things were going to go post your time in hospital or what do you think helped you there um yeah I definitely think that um anyone who knows me probably would say that I'm like a I'm fine person um and I'm I'm all good I've got this I'm I'm totally fine. Um, so I definitely tried to do that for about three days <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't fine. And, um, I think the biggest thing for me, and I'm really lucky that Aaron's an amazing dad. And I think I had to look at it. Well, what got me through it is looking at it like this was so cool for Aaron to experience time of being that soul carer and of. Yeah developing this bond with Isaac and if this hadn't happened he wouldn't have got that time and Isaac wouldn't have got that time um and I think sort of putting that bit of positive on it made it easier for me to be like okay he's had that time but now it's my time again and I think I just had to let it happen slowly and um accept the help and everyone everyone wants to help you know, you run around you, they're not offering because they feel like they have to, they're offering because they, they want to be there. And I think that, you know, that was huge. And, um, Aaron's parents were overseas when it all happened and, and they'd come home and they just live 800 meters up the road from us. And they wanted to be there to help, you know, his, his mum wanted to be there. And I just had to accept the help when I needed it and also learn to be like, Hey, I'm fine. I just want to spend this afternoon just with Isaac and I and develop the bond again. Um, yeah. so yeah, I think it was, it was, it was a big sort of self-learning thing and just sort of noticing when I needed to say, Hey, no, I'm, I'm happy on my own this afternoon or yep, I'd love the help. Cause I'd love to go to the supermarket by myself for half an hour or, um, <laughs> yeah. I'd love someone to come and chat to me. So I'm not sitting here on my own kind of thing. Yeah. Awesome. And what about physically? Obviously you had an episiotomy, so your recovery from that. And then I guess also having a fairly major surgery. Yeah, so the episiotomy, um, I was from, from talking to other people, I found my recovery really easy. Um, I had almost no pain the next day. Like I, apart from peeing, um, wasn't great, but that's not great for anyone after, um, having a baby. So, um, I recovered really well, I think. Um, sort of day maybe 10, I was, starting to feel like things were healing and, and that probably was um, like a, a strange sensation, I guess. But um, yeah, I was really lucky. I sort of didn't even really know that I'd had it, to be honest. Um, and yeah, from, from the surgery, that was probably the the, um, the, the hardest time because I wasn't supposed to be lifting and obviously all I wanted to do was yeah. lift Isaac. Um, so I think again with that, and I guess that, that it might be similar to people with having a C-section. Um, you've just got to let people help and it's okay to ask for help and to accept help when people yeah. offer it. Um, and that, that's sort of just what I, I had to do. Um, just make sure I wasn't overdoing it because in the end, all you're doing is, um, moving back your date of being recovered if you, if you don't look after yourself. So, yeah. um, yeah, I I was very lucky though to heal really well from from both um, situations. Yeah, 
Awesome. And did you get your period back fairly quickly because you weren't breastfeeding anymore or what was that like? Um, I had a really weird sort of um, just super, super light period while I was in hospital with the appendix. And um, that sort of happened then and then because I got a little bit of supply back. I had nothing for a couple of months and then I had really irregular light periods for maybe two months. Um, and after that, I've pretty much gone back to a full cycle, but it, it wasn't um, like I thought it was going to be. Like it definitely took a while to sort of be regular and that might have had something to do with yeah. the, the surgery. But um, yeah, yeah, it did take a while. Yeah. Awesome. And do you think that you'll have another baby possibly in the future or do you think that your little family is complete with one? Um, definitely we'll have more. If you ask my husband, he'll say five, but I don't say five. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but definitely would be, um, yeah, definitely keen to have some more. My husband's a family of four and, um, we're a family of three. So I definitely think, um, yeah, more babies in the future. We're lucky enough to be on a farm. So plenty of room for, um, kids to run around outside and, and play together. If I had like any advice for anyone, it would be um, from my experience, choose choose your midwife um, and make sure that you connect with them. And if you don't, it's okay to change to somebody else or find someone else who you um, feel comfortable in the care of. And they're, su- they're such an important person in your journey. And even if you choose an obstetrician, they're the same. Um, and you do have to rely on them and feel comfortable with them. And I was so lucky that my midwife was amazing. Like I couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, but I, I have heard of a few people who have not felt comfortable with the midwives. And I think you've got every right to change and you've got every right to choose who, who's caring for you. So I'd say that would be sort of like my go-to advice for someone is just choose someone who you connect with and you feel comfortable with. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's very valuable advice. Thank you. And thank you very much for joining me on the show today, Laura. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for having me and thank you for doing this. It's a very cool um, resource for people to have and um, definitely wish it was around before I had um, my birth story. But yeah, it's awesome and you're (laughs) doing a really cool thing. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.